April. By the middle of the month, the last of the snow flurries have turned to showers of rain, and something amazing is happening in Tarker's Mills. It is starting to green up. The ice in Maddie Tellingham's cow pond has gone out, and the patches of snow in the tract of forest called the Big Woods have all begun to shrink. It seems that the old and wonderful trick is going to happen again. Spring is going to come. The townsfolk celebrate it in small ways in spite of the shadow that has fallen over the town. Grandma Haig bakes pies and sets them out on the kitchen window still to cool. On Sunday, at the Grace Baptist Church, the Reverend Lester Lowe reads from the Song of Solomon and preaches a sermon titled, The Spring of the Lord's Love. On a more secular note, Chris Wrightson, the biggest drunk in Tarker's Mills, throws his great spring drunk and staggers off in the silvery, unreal light of a nearly full April moon. Billy Robertson, bartender and proprietor of the pub Tarker's Mills' only saloon, watches him go and mutters to the barmaid, If that wolf takes someone tonight, I guess it'll be Chris. Don't talk about it, the barmaid replies, shuddering. Her name is Elsie Fournier. She is 24, and she attends the Grace Baptist and sings in the choir because she has a crush on the Reverend Lowe. But she plans to leave the mills by summer, crush or no crush. This wolf business has begun to scare her. She has begun to think that the tips might be better in Portsmouth and the only wolves there were in sailors' uniforms. Nights in Tarker's Mills at the moon grows fat for the third time that year are uncomfortable times. The days are better. On the town common, there is suddenly a sky full of kites each afternoon. Brady Kincaid, 11 years old, has gotten a vulture for his birthday and has lost all track of time in his pleasure it feeling the kite tug in his hands like a live thing, watching it dip and swoop through the blue sky above the bandstand. He has forgotten about going home for supper. He is unaware that the other kite flyers have left one by one, with their box kites and tent kites and aluminum flyers tucked securely under their arms, unaware that he is alone. It is the fading daylight and advancing blue shadows which finally make him realize he has lingered too long. That, and the moon just rising over the clouds at the edge of the park. For the first time, it is a warm weather moon, bloated and orange instead of a cold white. But Brady doesn't notice this. He is only aware that he has stayed too long. His father probably is going to whoop him, and dark is coming. At school, he has laughed at his schoolmates' fanciful tales of the werewolf they say killed the drifter last month, Stella Randolph the month before, Arnie Westrom the month before, that. But he doesn't laugh now. As the moon turns April dusk into a bloody furnace glow, 
the stories seem all too real. He begins to wind twine onto his ball as fast as he can, dragging the vulture with its two bloodshot eyes out of the darkening sky. He brings it in too fast, and the breeze suddenly dies. As a result, the kite dives behind the bandstand. He starts toward it, winding up the string as he goes, glancing nervously back over his shoulder. And suddenly, the string begins to twitch and move in his hands, sawing back and forth. It reminds him of the way his fishing pole feels when he's hooked a big one in Tarker's stream above the mills. He looks at it, frowning, and the line goes slack. A shattering roar suddenly fills the night, and Brady Kincaid screams. He believes now, yes, he believes now, all right. But it's too late, and his scream is lost under that snarling roar that rises in a sudden, chilling glissade to a howl. The wolf is running toward him, running on two legs, its shaggy pelt painted orange with moonfire, its eyes glaring green lamps, and in one paw, a paw with human fingers and claws where the nails should be, is Brady's vulture kite. It is fluttering madly. Brady turns to run, and dry arms suddenly encircle him. He can smell something like blood and cinnamon. And he is found the next day propped against the war memorial, headless and disemboweled. The vulture kite in one stiffening hand. The kite flutters as if trying for the sky as the search party turn away, horrified and sick. It flutters because the breeze has already come up. It flutters as if it knows this will be a good day for kites.